You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Brilliant. It's so great to have uh, so much creative talent in the church. So thank you so much to Marsha for writing that and for John and Steve and Naomi for their little performance there. That was great. It's always good to see things from a slightly different perspective. You always get a different insight into things. And um, as Edward said, we're starting a new series today on looking at life through the eyes of Mary. And um, we're going to begin today by looking at how Mary responds to this message from Gabriel and how we can learn from her example. So as you may or may not be aware, this narrative is actually based on Luke 1, uh, particularly verses 26 to 38. So as well as referring to that little narrative, I'm also going to be referring to those verses as I speak, if you want to follow in your Bible. So first of all, let's have a little look at the context of this story. As you're no doubt aware, Gabriel is the one who is bringing this really significant news. And Gabriel is one of only two angels that are actually directly named in the Bible. So he is a pretty important one. And he shows up in Nazareth, which is not such an important place. And we know this because Luke finds it necessary to identify it as being a town in Galilee And it's actually not mentioned at all in the Old Testament. So it was most likely a small rural town with a small population, a pretty unexpected place for such significant events to take place. And Gabriel comes to a virgin. We read in verse 27 that she was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So what do we know about Mary? Well, we know that she is promised, as we heard, that she is pledged to be married to Joseph. And in ancient Israel, a woman who was betrothed in this way, they were pretty much already seen to be the wife of the man um, that they were betrothed to. Uh, They were bound to be faithful And it was actually such a serious commitment that it would actually require a divorce to break it. We read that at the opening chapters of Matthew. And betrothal could happen in this culture anywhere between the ages of 12 and 16. So she was a young woman, a teenager, in fact. And we also know that Mary is a virgin. In fact, in Luke's account, he mentions it twice Uh, just to make sure that we get the point, that she had not had sex. So here's Mary. She's quietly going about her business when suddenly she receives this uh, visit that she is not expecting. It takes her quite by surprise. I think in uh, Judaism in general, it wasn't customary at the time for a man to greet an unknown woman, and to greet an engaged woman would have been seen to be even worse. So I think it would probably have been fairly forgivable of Mary to have been surprised and confused by this visit. But even as she receives this news, 
and the way in which she responds to it, I think she is a great role model for us. I'm sure you would agree that life doesn't always take the path that you expect. Sometimes you can hear news that you don't, um, that can be a bit of a shock for you, or events can happen in your life that you don't anticipate. But I think the way in which we react and respond to it can be key in seeing God's will fulfilled in our life. So I want to look today at three things about Mary, and hopefully she's going to inspire and challenge us. Okay, I want to look at her recognition, her reaction, and her response. So firstly, uh, the recognition that she receives, almost the realization of how God sees her. Gabriel begins by informing Mary that she is recognized and valued by God. We heard those words in the narrative, have no fear, Mary, God wants to honor you greatly. And the account in Luke says, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you says that in verse 28. Mary hadn't done anything to deserve the angel's visit, but she had God's favor on her. We go on to read in verse 29 that Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. I think that's really important to take note of, that actually Mary was noticed by God. She was valued and chosen by God. She was blessed by God before the angel even arrived to tell her this news, before she even had to decide whether or not she was going to say yes to this or not. God's favor is on her. I wonder today, do you know that God's favor is on you? I think we've heard that throughout the worship and uh, even through Sam bringing that word, that actually God's favor is on us. The word favor actually means grace. It means undeserved favor, unmerited love. And that describes all of us, that how we've been saved and loved and embraced by God. It's true for all of us who are Christians. We have received his grace and his favor. We don't deserve it. Mary didn't deserve it. God could have picked anyone. He could have picked a rich, significant woman, one that was living in a place of affluence or one who had great influence, who was living in comfort, After all, this was the Son of God that was going to be born. But no, God chose Mary. And that's God's grace. He chooses nobodies from nowhere, and he gives them his grace. He blesses them. I think God wants us to know who we are even before we serve his calling for our lives. He wants us to to recognize how he sees us. I wonder this morning, do you know that you are loved 
and chosen and favored by God. We sang that in that song, um, Good, Good Father. um, We are loved by you. It is who we are. It's almost like that is what defines us. We are those loved by God. It's because of his grace that we're righteous and holy and acceptable. It's not about our works, whether or not we've said yes to the things he may ask us to do, but it's because of his grace. I guess Mary could have said no. Actually, Gabriel, this, this does sound a bit difficult. I mean, do you really think people are going to believe that I got pregnant without having sex? I mean, it's a little bit far-fetched, don't you think? But no, she wasn't favored because of her actions. It's because she knew the favor of God that she was then able to say yes. And as we've heard this morning, it's not our good works that save us. It's because we are saved, because we have a new identity in Christ that we're able to live differently. Remembering that actually we're no longer sinners, but we're saints. And then that enables us to live in that way. Um, I don't know, we can live differently in whatever job God has given us or task he's asked us to do. For some of you, that task might be being a mum. I wonder how many mums we've got here today. Maybe you could give me a wave if you are a mum. Fantastic. I want to say again to you, happy Mother's Day. And I wanted to just remind you, for some of you, you may think, oh, I'm just a mum. I would like to remind you of the significance of your role. Uh, This is a quote by Trilla Newbell, who is an American author and speaker. And she says, God has called us mums to train up our children in the way they should go. There really couldn't be a more significant calling than to pass on the legacy of our faith. The Great Commission applies to us in our homes with our children. Being a mum is actually a fantastic opportunity to preach the gospel daily, okay? To communicate what God uh, has done in your life and then to live it out. And um, God does save people through parenting. We read that in the Bible. In the, in the case of Timothy, Paul writes and says in 2 Timothy 1.5, I, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. It's like the gospel being passed through the generations. Paul is saying, you got the gospel from your mum. She got it from her mum. You know, it's, it's being passed down, Timothy. That is wonderful. That is brilliant. And so I just encourage you, if you are a mum or a parent here today, it is a great opportunity for um, you to share your faith with your children and invest daily in them a bit being full of the Holy Spirit, knowing that your labor is not in vain. I think many do get saved through parenting. Not all do, but many do. So give yourself to it wholeheartedly. But I think whatever job God has called you to do, uh, 
Be ready to respond in faith, knowing who you are, that you are loved, you are forgiven, you are accepted. It's not based on your credentials, but it's based on your new identity in Christ. Remember that God's favor is on you and live out who you now are in whatever God has called you to do. So that's the first thing, the fact that she was recognized by God. The second thing I want to look at with Mary is the way that she reacted, okay, her reaction. Mary was curious. She was asking, how is this going to happen? Verse 34 says, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? I've never even slept with Joseph. She doesn't respond in unbelief, unlike Zechariah, as we heard in his response to Elizabeth's pregnancy. Instead, Mary's asking how it's going to happen. I think that's probably a fairly valid question under the circumstances. I found it to be a fairly common question myself. Uh, When I was teaching some years ago, Mrs. Cornford, you are pregnant. How did that happen? I I was teaching young children, in case you're wondering, not teenagers. Um, Or even my own children. Mummy, there's a baby in your tummy. How did that get there? Ask your father. Um, (laughs) Curiosity is human nature. And um, Mary doesn't have unbelief. She has questions. And I think that's really different. It's actually okay to have questions. You know, I still have questions. I've not got everything worked out. But the good news is that Christianity is big enough for our questions. You know, there can be things that we're not sure about. That's why we encourage people to do Alpha, which looks at some of the big questions of life. Or we encourage people to go to meetups where you can work out your faith together. And it's an opportunity for you to ask your questions, for to explore questions together. Mary doesn't disbelieve. She's saying, I believe this can happen, but just how will it work? Well, the angel goes on to reply in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. There you have it, Gabriel answers. The conclusion is very logical. The Holy One to be born will be the Son of God, not the Son of Joseph. Does this mean Gabriel has suddenly made everything totally clear? No, of course not. And at the end of the day, even natural conception is quite difficult to get your head round. This is even more tricky. But as William Hendrickson in his commentary on Luke quotes, neither God nor Gabriel demands of Mary that she must understand everything. What is required of her is only this, that she believes and willingly submits. She's not expected to make sense of it all, to have it all figured out. But what she does need to do is she needs to exercise faith. Although 
in order to strengthen her faith, the angel does direct her towards the miracle of her relative Elizabeth's pregnancy, Uh, almost like reminding her, see, God can perform the miraculous. Even Elizabeth, your relative, this is verse 26, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I wonder if you believe that. No word from God will ever fail. Maybe you've had things spoken over your life. Do you believe that they're going to come true? Do you believe that God has said what he's going to use you for or do through you? Mary had many reasons to doubt. After all, this had never happened before. But God can make the impossible happen. And I think it's so interesting that even when she is troubled at the angel's words, it's not like the angel uh, responds by addressing her feelings or anxieties. He's not saying, oh, yeah, I understand that you're, you know, you might, why you might be feeling like that. But immediately he points her to God, saying, God is able. God can do the miraculous. Look at your relative, Elizabeth. See what God can do. And I think that's why we love hearing testimonies here at Redeemer, because it reminds us of what God can do. That actually, God can do the miraculous in people's lives. It it strengthens our faith. So I'd encourage any of you, if God's been working in your life, then share it. Be a testament for God's goodness, because we all need our faith enlarged and to remember that we serve a God of miracles. I don't know what your current situation is, maybe miracles that you need from God right now, but I do know that God is able. Last year, um, my brother-in-law, Pete's brother, uh, he's been struggling for a few years with arthritis, and it had got so bad that he couldn't walk uh, even a mile Uh, without being in excruciating pain. In fact, he was registered, disabled. He even had one of those orange badges for his car, so it's quite good getting a lift with him and parking nearby to things. Um, But anyway, he was in a lot of pain, so it was not good. And uh, he was on strong medication. Uh, He was my age, so he was very, very young. You know, you've got to appreciate with young kids. And He'd been prayed for many times, but then last summer, someone prayed for him again, and God miraculously healed him. And he can walk now for long distances. He's cycling to work. He even told us recently that he's jumping on the trampoline with his son. God has done a miracle. It's fantastic. And I wonder if you believe, you know, God can do a miracle in your life. I don't know what you need a miracle for, but do you believe that God could heal your illness? Do you believe he could restore your marriage? Do you believe he can provide you with that job that you need or enable you to conceive? Mary knows very little of the details, really, but here's what she does have. She has faith. 
She believes what God says. Our challenge is we can have a lot more information, but a lot less faith. Finally, we're going to look at Mary's response, which is so simple, but it's legendary. Here's what it says in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I am ready to serve God. May everything happen to me as you have said. She surrenders completely to God's will. Whatever he wants, that's what I'll do. I am his servant. It's quite challenging that she was so willing. This was not what she was expecting. She was expecting to marry Joseph, about life together, having a family. But it's like the angel's news totally rewrites this script for her life. And, you know, instead, a likely conclusion would probably be expulsion from Joseph's house, the shame and humiliation of others' misunderstanding, even the possibility of being stoned to death for being seen as an adulteress, or at best, the ridicule of being called a whore by the local community that knows her so well. Mary knows all of this, and yet her response is not an outcry of injustice. Oh, it's not fair. Why me? This is way too hard. But a believing and a humble obedience. She's willing to give up her marriage, her identity, her reputation, her security. She's willing to sacrifice all of that to obey God. I wonder, would we be okay with that? I know I can find that hard. (laughs) When God said, it's time to start a church, my response was not necessarily faith-filled. What about the kids? Is it going to mess up their education? What about an income? What about my friends? Golly, that sounds really hard work. Mary didn't respond like this. She wasn't preoccupied with herself. And that can, be a, that can be a challenge. Often our first thing is, how is this going to affect me? How, what's this going to mean for my life? God can ask us to do many things. He may ask you to serve here at Redeemer. You may think, what? Set my alarm early on a Sunday morning? What, you mean give up a day to serve on Craftoon of my own holiday? What about giving some of your money. Really, God? Well, what about the things I was planning to spend my money on? Or he might ask you to step up and lead in an area. Oh, but, you know, what about my evenings? What about time with my friends and my family or the TV? Maybe God asks you to share a prophetic word and you think, oh, what if, what if I don't say it quite right? What are people going to think of me? Or maybe at work, God asks you to speak to somebody about him. And you think, oh no, what about my reputation? 
People are going to think I'm really crazy. I wonder, even knowing these things, are we still willing to obey? Mary's desire for God's word to be a reality in her life is such that she's just willing to abandon herself to his will and completely trust in him. How about us? Are we those that we're willing to trust God with our lives, with our future, wherever that may lead, whatever that may involve, whatever that might look like? Remember, we're not trusting in the unknown, we are trusting in a person. We're trusting in our loving, our good, good Father. Mary was not directed to the what, but to the whom. I'm sure Mary realized and no doubt discovered that following Jesus is not always easy. When God calls us to be obedient, it's It's often not as simple or as pain-free as we would like. We may have thought God's job was to clean us up, sort us out, and then there'd be no more problems and difficulties. You might even be thinking, what's wrong with my life? Because, you know, following Jesus, I'm having such a difficult time. But being blessed by God is not determined by the circumstances around us. It's like an inner work that God has done in us. And uh, Debbie Thomas, who's a Christian writer from the US, she reminds us that Mary's favored status led her straight from scandal to danger to the trauma of her son's crucifixion. God's call required her to be profoundly countercultural, to trust an inner vision that flew in the face of everything her community expected of her. Mary had to be incredibly courageous. She is such a great example of someone who trusted God wholeheartedly. She believed God's word and then she allowed the Holy Spirit to empower her. She was prepared to serve God's purpose for her life rather than her own. What an inspiration to us. Not just those of us who are mums, but for any of us who, I know I do, like life to be comfortable or as pain-free as possible. You know, or maybe we like to be in control or serve our own agenda. Are we those, like Mary, prepared to surrender to God and his will for our lives? Will we hear with faith and serve what God is saying to us? Or like Zechariah, be full of doubt and cynicism and unbelief? Mary said, I am ready to serve in whatever way you want, Lord. I am the Lord's servant. May your word be to me fulfilled. What a challenge. I would love to pray for people this morning. I would love to pray for two groups of people. Firstly, I would love to pray for the mums here because I think you have got an awesome job. So um, if you are a mum here, I would love for you to stand up. And then maybe people around you can just 
uh, reach out to you or put their hand on you. And I want to pray for you that you are going to know God's help and his Holy Spirit in doing this great job of being a mum. So mums, would you just like to stand wherever you are? Doesn't matter what age you are as a mum, any mums, be great for you to stand. And if you're near them, I'd love for you just to put your hand on them or reach out to them and we're going to pray together. God, we thank you for the privilege of being a mum. We thank you for the children that you have given to us as a gift. We love them. We pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and that you would impart, uh, help us to impart a love and a passion for knowing you into their lives. We pray that you would give us faith for our kids, however old they are, whatever situation they're in, and a tenacity to pray regularly for them. I pray, Lord, you'd help us to be countercultural not swayed by the values and habits of this world, but to model to our kids serving Jesus in the way that we live and do life. We would love for them to be radical followers of you. Help us to pray for one another and encourage one another in this cause. Amen. Amen. Great. Thank you so much, mums. And secondly, I would like to pray for anyone who can struggle with surrendering totally to God, trusting him completely for your life, for your future, for your dreams, ambitions, for allowing him to take control. Maybe today you want to say again that I surrender totally to you, God, and whatever your will is for my life. I know I can find that a challenge. If you, like me, say, yeah, again, Lord, I want to surrender totally to you and to your will, then I'd just encourage you to stand right now, and I want to pray for you. Great. If you just want to open your hands up to God, it's a bit like saying, here I am, Lord. I know all you require of me is to be ready and available for you. And here I am. It's like a response in our heart. And if you're around them, maybe you just want to reach out a hand and pray for them as well. That would be great. God, we feel so challenged by this young woman She was willing to risk and give up so much for you. She was able to totally trust you and be your servant. Sometimes, God, we feel scared. We like to be in control. We like to have it all figured out. But we want to come humbly today and say that we want to trust you completely. We want to serve and follow you in whatever you are calling us to do. We pray that you would help us to just shine your light and life into those around and to embrace whatever you would have us do. 
We want to right now give our dreams, our ambitions, uh, all our hopes. We want to lay them before you and say, if it's your will, God, then let them happen. But ultimately, we want to surrender to you and to your will for our lives. Amen.